Welcome to the Human Everywhere podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jason Bott, and we are glad you're here for a very special episode where we are tackling current events as they're happening right now and how they affect the space industry, policy, and the human lives that are represented in space right now. Human Everywhere is a production of Deep Space Predictive. Human Everywhere looks to ask the question, what does it mean to maintain our humanity as we go further into space? As we explore the stars, how do we make sure that the human condition, the very nature of our humanity is preserved and championed? Today, we are also joined by guests from an incredibly ambitious focus on ethics in space called Project Lodestar. In fact, several of us actually represent membership in both of these organizations, Deep Space Predictive and Project Lodestar. As we're discussing current events, we want it to be known that while we represent these entities as membership, the comments, the opinions, the statements that are said during today's podcast do not represent those entities themselves, but only the opinions of the individuals making them. We want to provide a free and open conversation so that the individual sharing know that they have the freedom to do so, and at the same time recognize that these do not represent the official positions of either Project Lodestar or Deep Space Predictive. Today, our conversation is going to be about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the threats made to space assets and missions currently right now happening. We know that this has really taken over a lot of social media. That's gathered a lot of attention in our mainstream media. The conversation from the various pundits have tackled this. And we want to come at this from a completely different angle. But first, let me have my co-host, Yubi, introduce himself. And then we'll swing around and also bring in our two additional guests. So we'll ping one right after the other. Go ahead, Yubi. All right. Thank you for the baton. Uh, yes, UB Siminetti, and um, yeah, exactly what what Jason's talking about. You know, this is such a fascinating space that that we're all in, right? And I, I feel like I'm coming at it from the voice of sort of the maybe the the, the sci-fi nerd, but you know, who who kind of understands a little bit what's going on in the space industry, but not like the day to day, and so. That's why we wanted to have a conversation like this to, to kind of put a spotlight on, on things that most people might not think about when it comes to space and how things that are happening on earth might be impacting that and vice versa. So um, consider me that, that, that voice for you. Um, I'm just excited to, to be joined by great guests again. We seem to get so lucky when we get to that. And so let me hand it over to Aliris Allman and have you say a few words about yourself and, and go from there. Thanks, Yubi. My name is Aliris Allman and I am the founder of Deep Space Predictive, but also a participant in Project Lodestar and a member of Project Lodestar focused on uh, commercialization as part of one of our, our tenants. And it, it is interesting, you know, um, Yubi and, and Jason, is when we talk about these issues, we do have different knowledge and different perspectives. And as, as Jason brought up, you know, this is about human everywhere and how our humanity shows up in different places and how it affects from what we're doing on Earth, doing to this near space um, 
entity or engagement that's happening and what does that mean and what does it mean as we start to go further and further when types of conflicts happen when we're trying to be really peaceful so i'm really looking forward to the conversation Jane. Yeah. I'm Jane Gates. I, I'm one of the founding members of Project Lodestar. My background is more on the narrative and propaganda side of the world. I, I have participated in the Atlantic Council's War in Space and published a couple of anthologies with some fantastic co-editors about strategy as explained by science fiction and fantasy. So that's the angle that I'm going to be looking at in particular, uh, is the stories we tell and how those influence our perception, but also safety and the use of social media uh, in legislating that sort of thing. Thank you to each of you. I wanna kind of dive right into the conversation. And while there's actually quite a little, a lot of things that are happening here, uh, I think the thing that's really kind of sparked the conversation right now is the threats made by the former deputy chairman of Russia, Dmitry Rogozin, and I hope that I pronounced that right. Uh, after President Biden, the U.S. president, announced a series of sanctions, uh, Rogozin blasted off a series of tweets. In the first series of tweets he did were specifically regarding the International Space Station, the ISS. And in those tweets, he threatened to potentially shut off the ISS's Russian-controlled propulsion systems. Now, that threat alone could lead towards ultimately the ISS falling from Earth, I mean, falling to Earth in an uncontrolled deep orbit, um, potentially landing on territory in the US, Europe, China, or India. Uh, there were threats, you know, or veiled aspects of the threats that hinted that the ISS does not fly over Russia. And technically it doesn't, there's a tiny little bit of land that uh, the ISS is overhead. So correct, if it was to crash, it would affect any nation other than Russia. Uh, threats that came afterwards also threatened the fact that we have right now scheduled for just a few days from now, the Soyuz capsule to go up from the ISS and to pick up two cosmonauts and a current US astronaut. And that Russia is saying that the current US astronaut would not be welcome to return to Earth on the Soyuz capsule. And the fact that they would actually abandon the astronaut on the ISS. Now, again, there are in today's very, very carefully nuanced world, those threats were veiled. Uh, and a lot of people are questioning whether or not they'll actually follow through on them. But I just wanna throw out this fact that we are now having space assets active space missions that are being threatened by world leaders in the middle of armed conflict as potential you know ground this actually makes space part of the combat arena and just put that out there and kind of open it up and have a general conversation i'm wide open to hear we've got great insight from this team and want to get every one of you to kind of chime in from different perspectives and then We'll head on to a few other things. So put that on the table. Boom, there it is. <laughs> Mic drop. Give I, I want to come at it just real quick from, from again, like that, that sort of normal everyday person, right? Who's not in the industry of space in any way, shape or form um, and represent that perspective. Because I think, and this sort of goes to what you're talking about, Jane, with social media and propaganda and stories, right? You, you hear these things in general, you see the headline, 
and you know the, the everyday person you're like holy crap like what does that mean like you know should i be looking up or do i need to be running like what do i need to be doing i mean i've seen this however many times in sci-fi movies we talked about that before we hit record it, you know what am i supposed to freaking think <laughs> about that because that's what i'm thinking it's just it's going to fall from the sky we're going to see all these bits and pieces nobody knows where it's going to land so it's literally Oh, oh my, you know, and then what does that start, right? What's the, the catastrophic consequence of that action, right? Or nuclear, nuclear warheads going to be launched and retaliation. And so it's, it's, there's this, this fascinating yet really fearful perspective to, to those kinds of threats. And, and when not understanding that industry, I don't know, I, it can be really scary, I think. You know, I want to kind of throw in something from, you know, I, I reside here in Colorado, which is home of U.S. Space Command. But as we know, uh, in the previous U.S. presidential administration, we established the U.S. Space Force. And it was to, it, it's a distinct branch of the military, specifically uh, focused on understanding and defending our assets in space and recognizing the fact that space is now a new arena for warfare and conflict. It just isn't something that's out there. Everyone on the planet, most countries in the planet have some kind of asset in space that they want to protect. And as we have built the International Space Station, it becomes those people who've made the agreement to do that, to protect that as well. So from a United States perspective, we recognize, I won't say we, the United States recognizes that this is also a new arena for conflict to happen. And now we're trying, it really is looking at that in real life. Um, Jim, I'm really interested to get your perspective given how you've looked at this in so many different um, uh, perspectives, you know, in your work. I think one of the most interesting elements of this and listening to Yubi talk about it, in a lot of ways, the general population is kind of divorced from the entirety of space right now. Like back in when a man on the moon was this big thing, it was a national passion. Everyone was excited about it. You know, it was a source of national pride. And now it's it's the area of billionaires. And it's really very interesting to hear some of the conversation going on prior to this about certain people going into space and whether or not that had become a, a thing for a certain class and not for everyone else. And now we're starting to have this be a very specific, very impactful thing to people who will never probably have a reason to go out into space. But there's not that much of a, a firsthand awareness of even what the stakes are, you know, how many people know who the astronauts on the space station are these days? Um, you know, we watch a lot of the Curiosity rovers go up. There's a lot of emotional investment in those, but we've kind of put, I think the ISS a little bit on the back burner of the national narrative about space. And it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how this affects that and how this brings out that conversation about both the, rights, but also the obligations and the responsibilities of nations that are participating in this and the potential fallout. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's just funny, you know, as you, as you talk about, you know, the billionaires in space kind of thing, I think it just came out today that Pete Davidson is now flying to space, you know, the comedian from Saturday Night Live that just came out and he's flying on the next Blue Origin flight. So, yeah, it's, it, it, uh, I, you're right, like, that's, so, that's, that's such a distinction between the general population and, and who has access and, and, yeah, it's 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 still the stuff of sci-fi, and, and maybe that's maybe that's what keeps people from really thinking that this is, could happen, right? That this could be real. I don't know. But essentially, but we've had like hints of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at, I know the conversation about the value of space and why invest in space, and one of the the big examples we always use is look at your cell phone, look at your, you know, banking, things like that. And everyone has an investment in space because they use space. And I don't know what it would take to make them aware of the importance of this current, you know, situation on earth as it, you know, and what that impact is to our space and our everyday lives. One of the things I'd like to do is kind of pivot a little bit of a conversation here and um, maybe go a little bit of a deeper question because one of the things that seems to be hitting media right now is looking constantly at the threats that Russia has put out. But I think it's also wise for us to recognize that the sanctions actually were the ones that ventured into this battleground first. and that specifically Biden said that the sanctions would degrade Russia's aerospace industry, including their space program. And the fact that we actually, in the sanctions, I say we, I mean the U.S., focused on denying Russia's, Russia access to specific semiconductor chips, which are designed for satellite communication. So that the sanctions actually were aimed at Russia's space industry. So when you begin to get into an economic warfare focusing on their, uh, or you know, a, a country's space industry and their space efforts, is it that crazy to assume that they would not respond to say, well, we won't, you know, help others out? And again, Russia has done that immediately after the sanctions. Russia suspended all Soyuz launch cooperation with Europe. Um, I mean, began to withdraw Russian employees across the ESA. Um, has halted, you know, various contracts and launches. Um, you know, it, it's curious to me though that this started as an economic war, um, and I'd like to get sign of some of your guys's input as to, you know, at the question at hand, where where do we begin to say this is this was going too far? I mean, I, I know right now we're in the middle of wartime. We're U.S. citizens, even though we are representing international groups here, and it's probably not always the best to criticize your own government. But you know, I'm curious about the fact that we treaded into this ground first, and is it possible that the U.S. is, in a way, causing the potential threats or the potential damage here? Just you know. Um, and I guess the reason I'm asking it is because I don't want us to be in safe ground. I, you know, uh, we need to tackle the stuff that I'm not hearing other people address right now. So 
I actually think that there's a an interesting distinction here in that one of the things that is most important in any war is communication. And I mean, the news has been full of the fact that Russia created this exorbitantly expensive secure communications uh, system, and then it just hasn't been functional because it needs cell towers, it needs all of these things. And destroying the communication infrastructure of Ukraine as they go in has actually destroyed their ability to use their own system. And so it comes into this question of, this is probably one of the best ways to strike at them is to damage the communications, uh, but to do it in an economic sense where it's a little bit safer. But then you also have the perception of space so far, which is this grand humanitarian venture that unites the world. And we mentioned this a little bit before we started recording, that this has been a thing that humanity is supposed to be coming together and reaching out into the wilds of space. It's the final frontier of the place that has so many dreams. Like it's, it's the most, it's the romantic place that we all dream of someday going to, whether that's because, you know, of necessity for adventure, whatever the case. And so you have two very different viewpoints here of the hard cold facts of war and economic sanctions running up against a humanitarian and uh, mythological almost space. And that's going to be a problem because we don't have any of those sorts of frameworks in place. It's very much like the internet in the early days. You know, we went into the internet with nothing, no framework supporting it. And we've been playing catch up ever since with kind of disastrous results. You know, it's interesting. I think this goes back to how people perceive space and that it is this something else. I loved how you added the myth mythological perception that we have of space and what it can do for humanity, especially since we always are trying to bring the awareness of space to people on earth and how it um, aligns with our vision of what we believe to be our best selves. And now we're, it's getting challenged. You know, we look at the things that people are doing and countries are doing, which is what we always do when there's a conflict. We put our things to protect us. We go back into our corners of, let me protect us. Let me protect what I've done at expense to everyone else. But I think this conflict is going to force us to really start to understand what it means to be bigger than what what's happening on earth because this is where um this is where our ideals live now and how do we connect to that and maybe the fact that you know russia has said we will bring the u.s astronaut home is a small step in that in that direction we don't know what's going to happen when they land but they've made the step okay maybe in their minds we can say or we can believe because we don't know that we are making, we did make this promise. So at least let's take this one step of fulfilling that, that vision of unity in this cooperation that we started and bring this astronaut back because this is what we pledged to do in support of this ISS mission. Now, what happened, what happens after that in the next phase, we don't know, but we can at least believe in this one this one effort 
Well, and I think to circle back to, to Jason's point about, well, hey, did was it the US who sort of, you know, shot the first shot? Um, and was that was that a mistake, right? To 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 what the point you're making, both of you, Alaris and Jane, that you know the opportunity for the space industry or that perspective to to bridge a gap right or like to instead like you know use that cooperation that collaboration that humanitarian effort to try to solve things back here on earth like you know was there a missed opportunity there was it just using it as a pawn as opposed to what we believe space can be and should be you know which is accessible to everybody and and a new frontier and and you know a chance at at new ways of um you know expanding human beings across the universe but also then you know positively impacting things back here on earth did we miss an opportunity and yeah i, I mean it seems like it <laughs> uh, on the face of it your point jason if, if you know it seems like it was a mistake to go that route it also brings up i think part of another question and going back to the mythological there are two competing i think in a way myths of happening right now in the space industry one is that well it's nationalistic and what i mean by that is if you go back to kennedy's speech we will reach the moon and that thing that just galvanized around the apollo mission but that became a very nationalistic view of space simultaneously there has been a entire pendulum swing to a more current thing where oh no it's international in other words we can't do anything in space without the whole uh cooperative involved and that in a way space has to be peaceful space has to be preserved but both of these are presumptive arguments or presumptive states. And I'm not sure either one has shown to be true. Do we always need to be international and cooperative to do anything in space? And B, do we have to always just do this on our own? Because maybe we won't get anywhere. I, I just want to bring that up because I'm not sure that we've actually slowed down to ask or even address what are our presumed mythologies that we are, and I'm using James' word, and again, you know, it works into my world. What are the presumed mythologies that we are basing in, I mean, critical life decisions about humans on? Because we haven't, you know, poked and prodded at them. One of the things that we're seeing significantly changing in this current uh, conflict is that for years, at this point, decades, Russia has been seen as essentially the ultimate in the propaganda machine. They are the ones who know how to control the narrative and tell the story. And we're seeing a change in that. Ukraine has created in this, in the matter of a few days, they created these new heroic myths that were coming out, you know, sunflowers and, you know, the these things that just instantly garnered international attention and Russia had not been doing particularly well at that and I think partly because it caught them off guard in how much of a romantic response humanity would have to that 
Well, then you have the space station, which is, you know, that very romantic sort of idea to a lot of people. And they come at it and they go, you know, this is, this is where we can really hurt you. This is where we can get past the, oh yeah, you know, this isn't commercial. This isn't governmental. This is a symbol and we are going to go after it. That's a very powerful narrative choice uh, for them to make. And yes, I think the U.S. definitely had uh, a part to play in it going that direction, but it was a conscious choice to specifically take that and go after a thing that is so visible and so emotionally powerful to a lot of people. In a lot of ways, there's more that's a more deadly threat in a sort of story sense than nukes or something you know even chemical weapons because there's as mentioned earlier there's a random effect you have no idea where it would fall it could fall anywhere and that's part of the power of that threat but also a you know this is the symbol of us getting along after the cold war and there are a couple of generations that I suspect took are taking that really hard on an emotional sense where this was a symbol of safety and Russia essentially is saying, yeah, no, bye. This is this is going away. We're not playing that game anymore. I'm curious, I'm and I don't even know if I've got a direct question on this, but you know, Jim, I think you're doing a really good job at keeping us aware of the symbolic nature of this conversation. Because I think that's really what we're dealing with here. Will our astronaut likely be okay? Yes. Will they actually threaten to drop the I? I mean, will they actually move ahead and drop the ISS on a populated country? I hope not. I doubt it. But instead, we are dealing with a conversation of symbols. And I think that really gets into the point of well, human everywhere and the conversation of space. Space is this grand vista that every human has a part uh, in, you know, I mean, I can remember being a child and going out at the age of 10 with my telescope and looking up at space. And I probably that story is not unique. That's what everyone goes through. And so when we begin to threaten a shared uh, symbol, that really begins to affect us. Um, it's interesting, we had Frank White on about the overview effect. Um, and I think I kind of want to lean into a little bit of some conversation here because he goes from the other angle of looking down at the earth from the astronaut perspective. And that becomes a big symbol. You know, in a way we almost have an underview effect of looking up at the stars and tackling and, and they're poking and threatening that symbol. Um, but, you know, this is what's, for me, this is what's a little bit why what we're doing is so important because in the conversation of space too often it becomes the realm of the engineers the mathematicians you know and we often end up dealing with the hard aspects of it and there's nothing wrong because i mean ultimately you've got to have rockets to get to space but we forget to have the conversation that what ultimately we're talking about is a great symbolic tapestry upon which the human soul, no matter whatever nationality you come from, the human soul literally gets formed under. Um, and I think it's really critical for to have that perspective. So I, I appreciate where this is headed because I think we're really kind of mining something here that is often ignored in the conversation of space. 
Well, it's interesting you say that, Jason, because, you know, when you look at where space is going in, with the intent of opening space for all, whether it is the realm of the billionaires, it's taken it one step down from nation states. The next step down is commercialization, which is the promise of space is that anyone can be a part of it to some degree. You know, the billionaires can go up and provide the vehicles. Rich people now can go and have a seat on the plane and experience space for 30 minutes or less. But still, they're experiencing space. And now we have these other commercial startups that are starting from people's garages and bedrooms and things like that, that are able to access space as well. So there is a promise of greater participation that's just around the corner, that's starting. It's not even around the corner. It is starting now. And does this type of conflict start to dampen that progress in that direction? And do we now have this now, you know, space becomes this military zone or it is in the conversation instead of the conversation of how do we open up space for everyone to participate at so many different levels. We're about to build this this commercial into you know commercial space it's it's starting to form and engage and now will it go in the direction we hope it would go based on the mythology and the 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 wishes of humanity or are we going someplace else does this stunt that growth well it's interesting because i feel like i feel like we would probably tend more towards letting it dampen progress. But I feel like we're at a point where we can we can we can help shift that to, to go the other way. Even though yeah it's a conflict, right? It's, it's a it's a bad scenario. Um, it, it's it, it's not it, you know it, it's not um, taking us in the direction we'd like to go, but in the grand scheme of things maybe what it helps do is make space more real for us so that we do say, you know what, we, we actually have to think about this more seriously than we have before, right? It's not the stuff of 2001, 2010 movies, you know, it, it, this is actually real, this is happening to us today. And the only way that we're going to realize the vision of it is to not let it dampen the, the or scar or or prevent us from from getting there. You know, I think I think, and and that's why I I think this is the right time to have these conversations. Um, shameful, shameful or shameless plug. What do they say? Shameless plug for the podcast, human everywhere. But you know, like to have these conversations because it does make it real. Like it is real. It's real, right? And 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 the, the ISS falling somewhere on the planet and potentially killing thousands of people is real. Like space is a real thing. And we've got to start taking it seriously by bringing everybody into the conversation. And, and, you know, I agree with the phased approach, Alaris. I mean, that's how it works, right? Nation states, billionaires, like we're getting closer to the general population being involved. Uh, but, and so maybe taking incidents like this 
can help us really start to take control of the conversation. Because I think maybe that's what's been missing too, right? Is there, it's just kind of been there, like the stories happen, but the, but there, there's no like trying to, you know, take it in, in the right direction. We kind of just let it go. Something interesting that my partner brought up recently when we were talking was that in a very real sense, this is the first time in a long time that we've had kind of a sense of new mythology and looking toward the future. I, what I'm really hoping, and maybe this is this is optimistic. I'm not generally an optimistic person, but I have my <laughs> moments. I'm maybe having these conversations and galvanizing people. We've spent a long time without hope. You know, whether that was because of the pandemic because the rise of fascism around the world has been absolutely, uh, it, it has been worldwide. We have been dealing with so much of that and that feeds on a lack of hope, but it also destroys hope. So if we start having these conversations, it's not impossible that people will go, no, I grew up dreaming of doing this thing. You're not taking this away from me. I have had enough. And I think we're starting to see a lot of people saying, I have had enough. I don't care what it costs me. You know, I have, a, I have a friend in Ukraine who has said, I don't care what it takes. We are not giving up. We are not going to let this be taken from us. And maybe that's going to be a catalyst worldwide for us to say, yeah, no, we're not giving up on the future. We are taking this back and taking control of it. Yeah. I support your positivity, Jane. <laughs> It'll be great. And that's it's what we my one positive moment for the year. So I've got to really <laughs> lean into it. <laughs> Well, wow, we're only in Lean on in. <laughs> there's going to be more. There's going to be more. <laughs> well, as we near the end here of our time, and to be honest, this conversation will probably go for about four or five more episodes. It, it's a hot topic issue. And to be honest, we've actually drifted into territory that I think undermines or actually undergirds some of the larger conversation that the pundits are having. Um, but as we're coming down here the last few minutes, I kind of want to go around and just Get everybody's kind of final thoughts, uh, conversation really on, you know, what can we do right now? And I think coming back to our question of human everywhere, Project Lodestar and ethics, how do we make sure that we keep human central in this conversation? If by some pure random chance, someone who actually has decision-making authority were listening to this, what would you tell them to say, this is what we need to do to make sure that the decisions in front of us, we keep the human front and center, and we recognize that the human is critical everywhere we go. That is I know, big, big question. Should I give everybody yeah. seconds? <laughs> no, because I no, can no. bam for 30 more seconds. So just as a note, to kind of give everybody uh, some more information, if you're listening to this, you can visit Deep Space Predictive online, deepspacepredictive.com. You can also visit Project Lodestar at projectlodestar.space. At Deep Space Predictive, you can find the Human Everywhere podcast. We are available on Google Podcasts. We're available on the Apple iTunes Store. We're also available on Spotify. Uh, huge thanks to Yubi, who does all of our engineering, our posting, and all of that great work. Uh, we've been very, very happy with the incredible first few episodes, the response we're hearing from people. We've had the uh, great benefit of having amazing, amazing guests um, and cannot uh, we don't take that for granted, and we know that it's our guests who have made these episodes so fantastic. So uh, if you're wanting more information on us, you can check us out online. Uh, we will continue to post what we're working on. 
both organizations are slowly working on things behind the scenes. And we know that you'll want to stay tuned in the future. So now that I've vamped for 30 seconds, let me swing it out. Who would like to take the first shot and who would want to be our final word? I'm good with either. Let's go, Jane. We'll start with you first and we'll end and have actually uh, Alaris be our final. So, Jane, if you could go, you be Alaris, and I'll close this off here. Okay. I, I think my final words are a little, <laughs> that sounded a little stranger than I meant it to. Uh, my final <laughs> thoughts on this subject are so there's a few years ago when the interstellar movie came out i was watching it for like the third time in my local little hometown one of my friends had wanted to see it and there were these three teenage kids in front of us and they watched the movie and you could see them for the first time understand what space was and they walked out of there talking a mile a minute and one of them said i'm gonna i want to talk to my mom about how i can go to space and we really haven't had a lot of that recently. We haven't had a lot of the narrative about how we can do this and giving this the ability to people, just normal people. And we have so many amazing stories starting to come out about underprivileged schools who are putting together these amazing space programs, uh, you know, and people who are, like you said, starting to do things out of their garages or their bedrooms. What I really want to see is for us to start telling that story again, not of leaving this earth because we've destroyed it and it's our only chance. I hate that narrative. I hate that narrative mm -hmm. so much because earth has to be our foundation. We have to have a base to leave from and to want to come back to. If we are getting off of this earth because of fear, anything we do will fail. So bring back that story and that narrative and that romance of going to space as a human population, not as an American or a Russian or whatever country it might be, but because we're human. And we, like you said, we all grew up under the stars and we should all get to experience them. I love that. And I, 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 I'm going to continue the, the human thread of that. And I guess what I would say to the powers to be is to remember that we are all human, which means that we're all operating off of the same biases and right like our brains and bodies work the same doesn't matter who we are uh it, it's it's the fact that we are human and sometimes we do stupid things sometimes we say things you know and, and it's to think about that i think we have to remember that um as a follow-on to what james talking about because you know when when the russians are saying they're going to bring down the iss what what is that what are they really trying to say like is it just do they mean it or you know like can we take some time to remember that we're human beings and that you know let's find a time to, to figure out what's really going on uh you know and kind of gets to psychology right and the, the mental health uh, of everything that's happening but but we're all we all operate from the same sort of playbook blueprint and we can't forget that. And thanks, Evie. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go on, you know, continue on with the idea that more people, humans everywhere, i.e. on Earth, more humans are engaging space. They are looking at space as a possibility of living, working, engaging than have ever engaged before because they now know that they have a shot. You know, Jane, as you were saying, you know, people of all walks of life, all nationalities, indigenous to uh, industrial, 
are engaging in space and opening and talking. And we wanna make sure that that conversation goes in the right direction and doesn't get marred by the, the conflicts we have on earth. We wanna keep that hope with so many people now in the conversation. And it's gonna give us practice in how we work with each other. And let's not use that, lose that opportunity to really engage all the humans everywhere in our pursuit of space. I guess as I bring us all to a close, I think the one thing that I would encourage anyone, whether you're a decision maker or you're not, is walk outside and tilt your head up and look into space. It is an incredibly humbling experience when you recognize the vastness of this universe, when you recognize the long scale of time that it has taken for us to even take in that view and that our decisions matter. The decisions that are happening right now will not just affect the lives, but will affect generations to come and that everything we do, space has an ability to remind us both that we are incredibly insignificant and simultaneously that we have the ability to be incredibly significant. And so I think as we keep ourselves focused on human everywhere, I would just encourage people take a look out at the stars and try and listen for what they're saying to us. So thank you each to everyone here, Yubi, Aliris, James, uh, you guys bring just absolutely incredible perspective and so appreciate all that you guys have brought to this conversation. I know we're not even close to finished with it, and I know that we will hope to have many more episodes with Project Lodestar and Deep Space Predictive. Uh, again, as I said up top, the opinions expressed in this last episode do not represent those of the organizations that we possibly share membership in, but are simply the opinions of the individuals themselves. So to thank you to each and every one of you, and thank you for our audience. If you get a chance, make sure to like, subscribe, post a review, anything you can do that helps us build our audience. And we'll see you next time on Human Everywhere.